Welcome to episode 134 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. My family and I are moving later this week, and well, that's a story for another episode. There is a lesson I learned the hard way during this process, though, that I wanted to share. Although, truth be told, I doubt you'll learn this lesson simply by reading about it. That's because this is the kind of lesson you likely need to live through before accepting what you had been told and deep down knew to be true. I have more than one example of this lesson. I wrote about it in regards to letting go of my exciting idea around a second podcast. And here it is again, the lesson that needs to be learned the hard way. This time, this time it has to do with my Fitbit. My band broke and it's not the kind that can be replaced. This is actually the second time I had a problem with the band. The first time it was still under warranty and they just sent me a replacement watch, which was great. When the band started to tear again, I tried several home remedies to keep the watch on my wrist. When those failed, I committed to buying another watch. My wife pointed out that the band had twice failed on me and suggested I consider getting a different kind of watch. But I'd grown really attached to the version I'd been wearing day and night for a couple of years, and I wasn't ready to move on. My version was not being sold in stores anymore, so I headed to Facebook Marketplace to see if anyone was selling one. I wouldn't have ordinarily thought of Facebook Marketplace as a resource, but we've been sourcing a lot of items for a new home through it. As I had hoped, there was someone selling my exact watch for not a lot of money. I mapped out the distance to her home, and it was going to be nearly an hour in traffic. An hour. But I was committed, so off I went. And what do you think I discovered as soon as I saw the watch? The band had already started to tear. Lesson finally learned. It is time to find a new watch style. Your challenge this week. Think about a time you had to learn this lesson the hard way. Perhaps you're in the middle of this lesson right now. What can you learn from my story or your personal experience that you can apply to your own situation? It might be time to let go of an idea you've been holding on to and really hear the advice you've been given by people you trust. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest, like many ambitious women today, pushed herself to the limit and happily wore the busy badge of honor for decades. Her suicide attempt as a young adult ignited a passion for personal development, which led to her owning a nutrition business. Yet, while she made sure other women were taking care of themselves, stress, anxiety, worry, and fatigue were her constant companions. She sold her business and took a year-long sabbatical that she calls her year of no and learned how to unwind from over-busy habits and determine why she was pushing herself at a great cost to her own well-being. She then interviewed other ambitious women about busyness addiction and leadership, which led to creating Alchemy of Feminine Leadership, a framework that redefines ambition and success for lasting and sustainable impact without burnout, teaching women how to prioritize self for deep, enduring contribution to self and to society. Please join me in welcoming Susie Carroll. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, Susie, thank you so much for joining me from your office. You're in Ports Townsend, 
Washington State. Thrilled that the, the world of technology makes it possible for us to be chatting. So as you know, this is a, a show about building strong networks and the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? You know, I'm going to start with when did I realize I had the skills to lead. So um, I'll preface this by saying I'm an only child. Um, and so only children sometimes can be a little bit on the bossy side and headstrong. <laughs> and I definitely was that as a kid. Um, but I was all, always the kind of the instigator, the one that was gathering the neighborhood kids up. And when I got in school, I was you know, leading the ski club or running for ASB president. Um, I don't even remember talk, people talking about leaders back then. But now as an adult, uh, when I reflect on what does a leader mean to me, it's really about, for me, it's just about the things I love. So I, when I owned my um, nutrition business, it was a brick and mortar business. So I had staff and I absolutely loved that team building aspect of it. I love um, fostering the full potential of each employee instead of trying to take somebody and fit them into a mold. Um, I love inspiring people. Um, so yeah, I think for me, lead leadership is really about fostering the full potential of others. And to me, that means you also have to foster your own full potential in order to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how it, you know, if you were falling down on that for yourself and you weren't meeting, fulfilling, fulfilling your own potential, how could you inspire others to do it for themselves? Like it seems mm -hmm. like it wouldn't work. And exactly. I also really like the idea of, of the idea of helping people, not just like molding them to what you've already created, but really nurturing them to like kind of grow in the space with you. That seems yeah. like another really nice, like, uh, potential of, of being a leader as opposed to a manager who maybe would be like, okay, you're in charge of widgets, go for it. Yeah, it's more of a, a, a you know, you drop a pebble in the water and the, the circles go out. It's more of a concentric way of being in space with other people. Um, I also, you know, the <laughs> there is a Bill Gates has, I heard this quote from him that he said he likes to hire lazy people because they'll find the easiest way to do things. And I am absolutely not a lazy person, but I also like to have things easy. So why wouldn't I want to empower the people around me? Because then there's, it means there's less on my shoulders. Yeah. It's amazing how most people have a hard time making that kind of shift around delegating. Mm -hmm. And you, you just named why delegating could be so wonderful if you are delegating to people that you truly trust and you feel are qualified and sometimes more qualified than you. Yes. You've hired them for that role and that's not yeah. your specialty. Yeah. 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 My right hand person at my nutrition store was way more qualified than I was. She actually had more of a background than I did. And it was fabulous to have her there. I definitely, yeah. you know, I had my area of genius as well, but, you know, we could bounce off of each other and support each other. And yeah, it was perfect. I think finding that balance in, in a partner is wonderful. And it also takes, I think, having a little humility that you don't know everything. I think some people <laughs> have a hard time with the idea that others might know more than them. But, you know, I think this is one of the wonderful things about getting older 
is I, you know, I can think back in my early 20s when I was first stepping out into the workforce. And I was definitely more driven by that belief that I had to know everything. Um, and it's really exhausting. And now yeah. I'm more driven by that belief that I don't have to know everything and I don't even want to know everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably also about trusting that you'll know somebody who knows what you need to know. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, that also probably comes with some age and wisdom because you meet people and you start to realize that that's part of having that network around you. Exactly. So, I just, I feel like it would be remiss for me to, to share your introduction and then breeze over it. I mean, you have gone through some difficult times in life and I'm so glad right now you're in front of me. You, you seem very full of life, like quite the opposite of description mm. that I had introduced you by. And I think you're not alone uh, by any means from the listeners that are listening to this and people in my life that there's struggle and hardship and you have found a way through. And now it sounds like that now that, that with that experience, you're helping other people so you, you also talked about being a leader early on or being someone who stepped forward and, and organized people to do things. Um, were you putting a lot of pressure on yourself at a young age? An extraordinary amount of pressure. And I, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory. I, I was raised by a very narcissistic mother. So that childhood wound that I was carrying, um, that was also what precipitated my suicide attempt was not enough. That just, I wasn't enough. And, you know, now where I'm at, I see the gifts of how that served me because, because I was, um, constantly driven by this belief that I wasn't enough. I was constantly driving myself. So I was achieving a lot but I was absolutely doing it at the cost of my well-being. Um, it was hard. It was really hard. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's, it's uh, digging deep into that to now help other people heal and grow. And it, so like now you're seeing, like you said, that there's, there's a gift that came from such a painful space. And you were mm -hmm. able to think about how that was, how that could become a gift. Like not everyone makes that transition. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, um, it was actually a, a business coach that um, had me do an exercise and it was called the gift, gift of wounds. And wow, that was an eye opener. When I went, All right. What was my wound? Not enough. What was the, the, how did that show up? Well, it showed up by pushing myself. What did I accomplish because of that? And then what did I learn because of that? And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now had I not had that experience. But I also would love to be able to, um, well, it's not what I, this is what I do. Um, I'd like to save women some of the hurdles that I had to climb over because not enough is a pretty common issue for women. Mm -hmm. I am Absolutely. not alone. No, you're not alone. <laughs> you know, I was just actually talking to a coaching client. Um, uh, she's a woman in her fifties. She, uh, has had her own business for a while. And when she's speaking, she tends to, uh, like apologize as she's speaking. Yeah. Um, sort of for like, I'm sorry, I'm breathing in your air. Like, you know, like it's so instinctive for her to apologize. She's apologizing for the littlest yeah. thing. Yeah. And, um, she wanted some feedback about her speech pattern, um, 
And I said, you know what? Here's the thing. Don't beat up yourself about what you're doing because you came of age in a time where women's voices were not valued. And so you had to twist yourself into a personality that did not threaten men. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to give feedback, you had to be like giving feedback while stroking egos, while being like non-threatening. And I said, you know, for you to have survived in business all these decades, Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that means you figured that out, but now you're the owner of the business. Mm-hmm. And she, she actually gave me a great analogy. She said, there's a difference between being a first, uh, cap- sorry, being a captain and a first mate that on a ship, women tend to think of themselves as a first mate because the first mate takes care of a lot of things, but the captain sets the course and has a lot more vision about what's going on. And so when you're owning your own business, you've got to think of yourself as a captain. And I was like, so like, how are we going to help you do that? And when you slip, how can you not feel bad about that, but just realize it's part of the growth? Like you can't. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. You know, and there's another piece in there too, that uh, women are innately, we're so hard on ourselves. And to tie in with what you just shared with me, um, at my, my nutrition store, which I sold, that was four years ago now, but I had the most, for the most part, the most extraordinary staff. And they stayed with me for a very long time. Um, I'm in a, a smaller town. And so some of the women that were working for me were um, coming out of retirement and they had come from these big corporate jobs. And But I, being raised by a narcissist, my first husband was an alcoholic. So I was married to him for 13 years. So there was a pattern there. So I was very, very codependent. And... Um, my happiness depended on everyone else being happy. And I, I'll never forget one of my um, team at the store, Sandy, she said to me one day, she said, Susie, you're the boss. You can tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have never forgotten that. It was sort of like, oh, I have, but I had been everything I had been doing was to make sure they were happy and they were taken care of. And I was absolutely depleted. Yeah. 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 Good to have people like that around who can give you those reminders. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that they also sometimes are reminding themselves the time that they're saying it to you. I mean, sometimes we give the best advice when we need to hear it. So. Oh yeah. That isn't that the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So tell me what, what has been most rewarding about the work you're doing today? Mm, I, this feels like my life work. Um, when I, during my sabbatical year, my year of no, this was, a, it wasn't a, a, a year to go and do everything that I'd never got around to doing. This was, a, I, I had sent an intention. I wrote a manifesto for the year. And I had already started unwinding when I had my business um, from my busyness habits. Um, but the sabbatical, my intention for the sabbatical was, all right, I, there's a couple of things I want to be able to do. I want to be able to just sit and do nothing and not feel agitated. And I want to be able to come to the my, end of my day without accomplishing anything and feel good about it. So I have to say that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. About three weeks into my sabbatical, I didn't know what to do with myself. This is after 35 years of working and being on a schedule and having responsibilities. And I was standing in my dining room, literally kind of walking in circles. And I went, oh, my God, I've got to do something that's familiar. 
And a friend of mine, who's very intuitive, called me. She said, what are you doing? I said, I just vacuumed. I had to do something that was familiar. So she taught, she taught me or told me about this book called Transitions, and I read it and realized I wasn't going crazy. But about seven months into the sabbatical, I, and I've been having conversations with women. One of the things I was just loving was for the first time in my life, I had space to have random conversations. And so on the sidewalk, down at the beach, and it seemed like every conversation went to the topic of overwhelm. This is with women. Every single woman I was talking with was overwhelmed. So about seven months into the business, I went, oh, I have actually figured out how to unwind from busyness and overwhelm. So I developed that into a program. But the first program was called Sacred Selfishness, the Practice of Prioritizing Self. Um, there's a fun little story behind that. And I taught that for a couple of years. And that was kind of falling flat for me. I couldn't, I felt like something was missing. So I stepped back and I hired a business coach and she's got a PhD in transformative learning and change in human systems. And this woman, oh my gosh, I'm still working with her. She just got me in there and digging deep. And the piece that was missing for me is I love leadership and I love business. So I folded that all back in there. But I, um, I'm, an, I'm a person that I, I go inwards before I go out. And that's kind of where the alchemy of feminine leadership came from. It's, it's taking all these beautiful and unique elements that we have and kind of Pulling, stirring them up and gold comes out on top mm-hmm. and there's many steps in there, but so I'm loving this. I love, I love tapping into people's potential. So I, one of the things I really appreciate about what you just said was that you, you reached out and you were worked with a business coach. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you know that it was time to reach out and work with a business coach? I, you know, I, I was spinning my wheels. Um, when I launched my, when I originally launched, I didn't read Forilo's B-School, which I think is fabulous, but I didn't understand how saturated the online world was. I was one of those people. I thought, okay, I'm going to create this program. I'm going to put up a website and boom, all the people are going to be there. Um, and that didn't happen. Um, so I, I kind of rerouted and did it a little bit differently, but what became really clear was there's so much noise out there in the world that whatever I was going to bring forward needed to have a really defined focus. Mm. Um, not, not you know, defined focus, not just because of the noise out in the world, but also because I'm an idea person. And if I don't get in and have a defined focus, I'm all over the place. <laughs> so it's so it's good to know a little bit about how you operate in the world. And I think anyone listening has some sense of of who they are. And the yeah. idea of bringing on a coach could be really powerful. You know, I think um, I haven't really talked a lot about this in the show, but you know, accountability partners can be helpful to to execute something. But a coach is great because they bring knowledge. So it sounds like you found someone who has a lot of experience and was able to kind of walk you to a place that you didn't even know existed 
And now you're able to offer an entirely new level of service and value to your clients that, uh, that you wouldn't have tapped into. I, I cannot agree with you enough. This has been the best in business investment I have ever made. Um, I'm going into a direction I couldn't have imagined. I'm going deeper than I ever would have imagined. Um, and, you know, talking about knowing ourselves well, I'm, I can be kind of thick-headed and I can be a bit of a tough nut to crack. So I know that about me. And that's, you know, for me, that's why I, I knew I needed somebody who really knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what, what's been the biggest challenge for you as you decided, okay, I'm going to be going from this brick and mortar, this online space. Sounds like you, you did B-School, got a business coach. You're, you're, putting, you're getting some good resources and a good team around you. But yeah. what, was, what was the shift for you that you had to kind of move through? Well, I have to say, and I'm sure you know, you know this as well, that when you're launching a business, all your stuff comes up. It's like suddenly you're in psychotherapy with yourself. Um, and I was recognizing this, that even, you know, all the work I've done on myself, there were some core things that just were getting in my face. And also, so the, the biggest challenge for me is writing curriculum. Mm. Because I'm a, I'm a kinesthetic learner. So it's movement. I'm very intuitive. Um, and so to be sitting in front of the computer writing and typing up words, I go stir crazy and it's hard to stay focused. So having a coach to keep me on track and talk me through it and know how to work with somebody who's a kinesthetic learner. I mean, she literally had me, you know, we've got the speaker going and I'm standing in my office and I'm, she's asking me questions and I'm visualizing and I'm moving in order to get the information. I feel like this has been um, surgery. She's been just extracting information out of me. She's been fantastic. Uh, but that really has been a, a, a challenge for me is this writing curriculum because this is, I, I've written courses before. I've written nutrition courses and that's a little bit different. I mean, nutrition isn't digging into um, an, an innate knowing. You can open up a textbook and pull out what, you want, but this body of work is digging into 35 years of adulting. Yes. And what have I learned from it? What order did this go? How did I overcome overwhelm? How did I step into leadership? How did I become confident? Yeah, because then yeah. once you can understand that, you can actually help others follow that path. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so this is mapping my course. And yeah, yeah. yeah 35 years is a lot of course mapping. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And yet, I think it's wonderful that you are thinking about all the experience you have previous to this moment and bringing that into the work you're doing today. I, I work with some clients who, when they, in their 50s, are launching some uh, new endeavor, even, uh, even if they're launching like a podcast, they'll almost forget that the people they've known for 30 years and worked with 10 years ago and that kind of thing would be interested <laughs> Um, and so the challenge that I have actually given my clients, so I'm going to, people listening might want to do this, or you might want to do this. The challenge that I'm working with my clients right now in the, in the current cohort of the MORE program for entrepreneurial women is to do a uh, Facebook Live about their work on their personal Facebook page. Yeah. 
to kind of let the world know what it is they're up to. And this was very challenging for them. But I think, you know, letting people know what you're up to. So you were able to tap in the fact that you have this existing body of knowledge. Were you able to bring people into this new endeavor that you had worked with previously? I don't think, not, not in the way I think you're referring to, um, bringing people into this endeavor. So, um, I definitely connected with people in order to launch this endeavor. So, and it was really fun. I interviewed women. And so when I launched sacred selfishness, I interviewed women about, I went interviewed women in two categories in busyness and post busyness, which was sort of funny. It took me two months to get through the category of people that were in busyness took me two weeks to get through the category of post busyness and these are really successful women you know they had just figured out how to turn the noise down in their life and so for alchemy of feminine leadership i i interviewed leaders and that was really fun i interviewed politicians i interviewed people who were leading organizations i interviewed you know presidents and ceos and um uh, you know, solopreneurs. And um, so I brought people in that way and they will actually, or, or they already are becoming a great connection network for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Interviewing people. Uh, it's great to be doing original research of any kind. A lot of people uh, shy away from that. Um, but you seem to be, you know, called to do it, but it's also a wonderful way to, to build a network up of really talented um, people that you're inviting them. And much like me inviting you to be on this show, mm-hmm. I, I often think that having a podcast, there are people I've invited on my show who I couldn't schedule 10 minutes to have coffee um, or even a 10 minute phone call, but I can sit down with them for an hour and have a great conversation and learn from them and then share that content with my listeners. So you mm-hmm. were doing that as you were trying to build up your, your curriculum, your knowledge base. Now these are people who know what you're working on. I, I really appreciate that because a lot of times uh, people work on their their idea alone and then ah. they perfect it and they mm-hmm. you know they, they think they perfected it and they bring it out to the market and try to sell it. And you were like bringing people along with you by the process of also learning from them. Yeah, I saw a quote once. I can't remember who said it, but it's um, uh, success is a team sport. Yeah. I yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, really. And for me, that I enjoyed the interview process. Um, I'm not good with uh, idle chit chat. So this gave me a purpose. Um, and also, it was reciprocal because the women I interviewed were they were they were honored to be asked. And really happy to share the information with me. That's awesome. So, um, so then tell me, as you've sort of moved through this, how are you nurturing these connections now? Like, plus the connections that you've had, like from just decades of, of being in, the, in a workforce, um, are I guess is the closest connections. They're like people you see on a more regular basis, or you have a strong tie. But how do you? nurture and sustain connections with a second and third tier or layer out to people that you might see, you know, once a year at a conference or you work yeah. with a long time ago, but currently you have a reason to work with them. Uh, do you do anything thoughtful, pl- planful around that? You know, I'm, 
I will say this about me. I am pretty darn good at reaching out. I'm often the one that makes the first move um, just to say, hey, do you have, let's talk for a half hour. I'd love to hear what's going on for you. How can we support each other? Um, let's go have a cup of coffee. Can I buy you lunch? Uh, so I definitely do that. With the women I interviewed, um, I've kept them abreast because I so valued their time. I really wanted them to know, you know, wow, if, if you hadn't given me your time, Alchemy of Feminine Leadership would never have been born. I mean, it really came from um, all the data I was able to compile and break down from that. And then several of the women, um, they're doing really cool things as well. So there's following up and connecting with them and seeing what they're up to. So, so it's, you, go ahead. You're in a smaller town. Um, are people local to you or is it a lot of this virtual for you? Um, a lot is virtual. Mm-hmm. However, so the first round of interviews that what I call my busyness interviews were all virtual. Um, the leadership interviews, Three or four of them were virtual, and the rest were actually in my community. And the beauty of that was it really opened my eyes to a resource of richness we do have in this community. And I live in um, a largely retired community. It's this gorgeous little town on the Olympic Peninsula, about two hours from Seattle, and we're always on like the top 10 places to retire list. (laughs) So it feels like everybody's retired here. Um, That's not the truth. Um, So another piece of that from doing the interviews is I am moving towards an idea of doing something, an event on the local level. Because there are, I love working with, well, all ages, but my my specific target market is more like 35 to to 40 and up. Women who've had some life experiences, who have some self-awareness. And the more I look, they actually are here in my community. Oh, that's really neat. I I mean, you could probably do like a salon type of uh, activity where you bring people together around a conversation topic. And um, I feel like that would, fit so well with with uh, the vibe that you're already kind of putting out into the world. People are really drawn to that, I imagine. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, um, uh, you, you're familiar with Meetup. Mm-hmm. But, yep. There's not, so I, I actually went looking for a Meetup here in town. There's not a single Meetup. And two hours away in Seattle, there's like thousands to choose from. So if you don't find what you want, you create it. That's right. That's yeah. that's a great takeaway. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I guess there's nothing. And you're like, nope, this is like blue ocean. No one else exactly. is doing it. I see the need. Let's step in. I mean, that's yeah. so your willingness to convene people. I, I think that's a wonderful skill uh, because you obviously are, you know, putting out the connections uh, to bring people together. But once they're together, you don't have to kind of, you, you're not over... Uh, manufacturing what happens at the event, you know, like it happens on its own. And that's kind of nice. And before we got started, you were saying to me that you identify yourself from a talk you heard me do as being an outgoing introvert. So I imagine that, you know, curating a group of people and then being the host is a lot easier than you showing up to these like random big social events where you're Ah. not quite sure why you're there. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. but I think being a host, is, yeah, the host role is is something that I think anyone could take on, even at an event that's not their own. But mm-hmm. you know, being being a convener uh, 
at spaces. Now, is is speaking at conferences or attending conferences part of your ongoing uh, work now? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, tomorrow I'm heading, I'm uh, supposed to snow tomorrow, and I've got a two-hour drive to a conference where I'm on a panel um, about women's health and well-being. So I, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I actually enjoy speaking. And the reason is I'm being given permission to speak. And that's still a byproduct of the environment I was raised in where I really wasn't encouraged to speak because my mother needed to be center of attention. Mm-hmm. So another, I guess you could call that another gift in there. Not that I don't get nervous about speaking, but um, I, I enjoy it. Well, yeah. and then there's the added benefit of once you're the person who speaks, then other people in the room know who you are and know a little about you. And so when they come up to you, they'll initiate a conversation with you. Yeah. Exactly. That's always kind of a nicer way. Um, my good friend, Dory Clark, um, I just was reading something she wrote just specifically on this topic. I, she is also identifies as an introvert and mm. now is invited to speak everywhere. She's just very, very well known. But it's so much easier for her to do it that way than to kind of wander in and then try to find, your, <laughs> find her way, you know, in a crowd of people. So getting on a panel, I mean, how did that come about? Is that through a connection you already had or did you just sort of cold call your way into it? Well, I am getting on an airplane a whole lot is not something I really want to do. I love to travel, but it's, you know, it's a three hour trek to the airport and, you know, plus flying and, and I'll happily do that here and there. So I actually got online and started, I just Googled conferences, Washington state conferences, Oregon. And this particular one popped up in a a town fairly close to me. And for me, two hours is close. Um, And so I emailed there and I, they didn't have anything up on their website quite yet. And I said, Hey, I'm really interested in coming to your conference. And by the way, if you're looking for a speaker, here's a topic I could talk on. And a week later I got an email back and she was ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, way to put yourself out there. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. being being proactive, looking to see, meet your needs. You don't, you know, you'd rather do things local. Mm-hmm. I think, like, don't instead of. I think some people would say, "Well, I don't want to do it a certain way, then I can't do it." And you're like, "No, I, I'll just find a, adapt to the needs that I have, and I'm going to put myself out there." But yeah. now you're going to be a speaker on a panel, so you get to know the other panelists. Yeah, you'll, you'll be seen as like an authority in that space. I mean, what mm-hmm. a wonderful way to introduce yourself to a new community. Exactly. So, I, yeah. I want to say like, bravo. That's really like awesome follow through. Um, so uh, in the, the next few minutes that we have, I just, I, one of my favorite questions is about kind of where you might be a year from now. And, and, and here's the thing, like if we were getting together a year from now and, and we were celebrating all of your successes, I want to know what are we going to be like congratulating you for having accomplished? Like, what are you looking forward to in the next 12 months? Okay, so in the next 12 months, I will be leading um, small group, very intimate um, alchemy uh, feminine leadership course. It'll be four months long, eight to 12 women. Um, I will have led a retreat. God, I love retreats. So much fun. Um, I'll be doing uh, mentoring, not a lot, about three mentoring clients a week. And in between all that, I will be um, outdoors hiking and 
swimming and enjoying life and playing with my dog and hanging with my husband and connecting with my friends and you know, <laughs> yeah, and creating and writing and connecting and. I I like that even in your goals you're trying to, you're finding a way to integrate and not get overly busy like yeah, that's that's right. important to keep that in mind I think too often we have our focus on the big goals exactly and I the one other thing that I absolutely want to accomplish is I have relatives in Australia and they just came into my life a couple years ago and my uncle is eighty five years old and I am in love with these people. And I've been to Australia twice and I want to go every year. So I thought, well, why not just run a retreat in Melbourne? They live just outside of Melbourne. So that's my, my goal is to once a year run a retreat in Melbourne so I can see my relatives. <laughs> that's brilliant. I and my husband people to introduce you to. So that's that's okay. awesome. You gotta, you gotta like grow your network global. Look at that. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to think of it. So uh, how can people find you and follow your work? Okay. Um, my website is Suzy, S-U-Z-Y, Carol, C-A-R-R-O-L-L.com. Double R, double L, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, and you can sign up. Currently, I have a quiz up there called, um, is busy getting the best of you. And here in a couple of weeks, I have a really great new opt-in that's going, going up, which I don't have my fingertips, but you can watch for that. I write, um, I, I, I write a, a newsletter every other week. I do it twice a month because largely my people I work with are busy. <laughs> um, and, you know, I have really good boundaries in place, too. I, I refuse to push myself too hard. And uh, when I write, I write. I'm not writing fluff. I'm going pretty deep and every other week. Is good. That's awesome. And I think we could all learn, uh, take a page from you and learn how to set some better boundaries and better to do good quality work than to like push things out that you don't feel really great about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's awesome. Well, thank you, Susie, so much for this conversation. Uh, all the links that you mentioned, as well as your LinkedIn and your Twitter will be in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. I really appreciate you being here with us. Oh, thank you. This was really fun and great questions. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Susie. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 134. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode with Susie, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On The Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On The Schmooze, S-C-H, M-O-O-Z-E.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.